Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. So glad you can join me today. We're going to talk to Dr. Glenn Pickering. We're going to try to break some unhealthy patterns. And we're going to try to master uh, some skills to try to build some uh, lasting, healthy relationships. We definitely all want that because we play the game of tag in our personal and our professional relationships. Even though we don't think we do, we're going to learn, learn more about it. And we're going to realize, oops, I guess we do that. And Glenn is uh, an interesting uh, combination of uh, an engineer, a pastor, and a psychologist. You blend all those together, and you get Dr. Glenn Pickering. Glenn, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, you know, I love your book on TAG. I've read it several times, and I, I, I think it's time that uh, we revisit it, and it sounds like you've made some uh, new adjustments and improvements to it. Yes. I, so I want to spend a little bit of time, maybe until the first break, talking about the game itself. Partly because it's people already know, it'll kind of remind them of what they know. And people who haven't heard about it, they'll understand the game and how it affects relationships. And I'd like to spend the rest of our time together, if that's okay with you, talking about how it affects the rest of our life. I love that, especially as Christians. Yeah. yeah. So let's get a little refresher course in what tag is. All right. Thanks. Um, tag is this funny little game I discovered. Um, you know, if you watch kids play the game of tag, you know, in the backyard running around you realize, wow, that's kind of an odd little game. There's literally no way to win. You know, you're just trying not to be it, right? That's the goal. And um, so you run around like crazy trying not to be it. And then if somebody does tag you, then you try like crazy to tag somebody else. And that's the whole point. You just don't want to be it. So you take <laughs> the, right? so you have those two strategies, what I call the passive strategies, all the things you do to not be it in the first place. So, you know, you run like crazy if the person who's it comes close to you. You kind of run away even as somebody who's not it gets close to you because they could become it, so you got to be careful. You might hide behind other objects. You might put people between you and the person who's it. You do all kinds of things to not be it in the first place. So you're not taking anybody else. You're just trying not to be it yourself. That was what I call the passive strategies. And then if you do get tagged, boy, then we use a whole different set of strategies, right? We chase after the people closest to us. <laughs> we run after the person we think might, might be the slowest one. <laughs> it's really not a very kind game. And, uh, and then we tag them. And when we tag them, we say really loud and clear, not it. We want everybody to know I'm back to being not it because that's actually the goal of the game. There's nothing to accomplish. There's no mm -hmm. points to score. There's literally no way to win. You just don't want to be it. Well, Glenn, you said something that took me about six months to figure out, I think, what it is you meant. And not that it was overly difficult, but it just takes a while to reframe it. When you said when you play tag, it's not that you want to be right. You just right. want to be part of the group that isn't wrong. Right, exactly. And so when we play that childish game of tag in our adult relationships, it's the same thing. We don't want to be the bad one. Yes. And it's the same thing. So we're not trying to be right. And some people say, well, going to have this weird need to be right. And I think, no, you are just, you know, like pathologically afraid of being wrong because mm -hmm. you don't want to be wrong. Now, and if I grew up like in an abusive or an addictive family, for example, if you do something wrong, you get treated really harshly and people act like it's your fault, like you deserve it because you did something wrong, dummy. Yeah. And, Glenn, give, give, yeah. give us an example of that because that's really important. 
Great. So let's just say that, um, well, let's just say, because this kind of leads up to the rest of our show today, let's just say I share with my family that's addictive or abusive, hey, I have this fun vision, I have this fun dream, here's something I really want to do at school, and I'm going to hear how stupid that is, how wrong that is, I'm so dumb, why would I ever think that would work? There are going to be 27 reasons why that's a really stupid idea. Now, And they're not trying to be right. They're just trying to help me know for sure that I'm wrong. I'm the bad one. I'm the stupid one. I'm the one that can never get it right because that means they're not. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole game. I just want somebody else to be at anybody else, just not me. So is it a self-preservation thing? Yes. Do I not want you to do something creative and bold? Uh, (laughs) What am I I trying to do? What what is my purpose here? What you just said is so perfect. It really is about sort of self-protection, that I just don't want to get hurt. I don't want to be the bad one. I don't want to be the one that gets criticized or judged or treated unfairly. I don't want that to be me. And so we go out of our way to just sort of try and protect ourselves. And you see the same thing so often in relationships. You see the same sort of passive and active thing. Like, I've been in meetings where there's a leader and six or seven or eight other people in the room. We talk about something for a few minutes, and then the leader says, okay, anybody else have any ideas to share or any thoughts about what we talked about so far? And you will know darn well you're in this room of smart people who all have a thought or opinion or something to say, and nobody says anything. Right. Why? Because they're playing tag passively. They're not making anybody else the bad one. They're not being mean to anybody else. But they just don't want to get criticized. They don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to stick out. They don't want to stand out. They don't want to be the one who came up with that idea. And so they don't say anything just because they just don't want to be criticized or judged. They don't want to be it. They so, don't. Go ahead. Yeah, Glenn, what happens then if you, you've just described that scenario and you think, well, I'm in an unhealthy environment if smart people are not willing to speak up and say smart things? I, I am so clear about that. I, yeah. um, there's fascinating studies about, like the workplace, for example, about what makes a good workplace. And if you ask somebody who loves their job, why do they love their job? They'll say, well, it's the people. And here's why you know it's not true. Because um, if you ask somebody who hates their job, why do they hate their job? They'll say, it's the people. It's so political there. And see, people are people. <laughs> so what they really mean is, in, in the places that are really great, people interact in a certain way that's loving and constructive and helpful. In workplaces that people hate their job, people act in tag playing ways where somebody's always a bad one, somebody gets criticized, and the whole goal is to just make sure that's not me. And, um, and that gets set from the very on top all the way on down. Well, maybe it's easier, even if you have a good idea, uh-huh. to just keep your mouth shut because you know what's going to come after you give your idea. Exactly. Maybe, you, maybe you're going to... Maybe you're, you're going to take an approach where I'm going to talk to, uh, you know, Ed in data after the meeting and, right. pitch it, and pitch it to him. Right. Is that being passive or what is that? What yeah. strategy is that? Well, it's exactly what you just talked about, about self-preservation. I think if I say it to the group or certain people in the group, I'm just going to get ripped into or get judged. So I'm just going to do it the safest way possible. I can't tell it to one person um, and who might or might not even have the power to put that idea into practice. Oftentimes, we tell us to the one person who doesn't have anything to do with the situation and couldn't put that into practice even if they wanted to, which, you know, totally passive. Yeah, and we don't want to be passive. Right, I just think that, um, yeah, we're called by God to live big, amazing, abundant lives, and passive is not going to get us there, mm-hmm. that's for sure. And um, and then, and what, go ahead. What are some of the characteristics of passive? Would it... Would it be to hide or, or to just stay stay in your in your corner and don't come out? What 
Right. What would it be? Right. The goal, if I'm passive, is to hope nobody notices me. <laughs> okay. And I think it's just interesting. You know, people talk about to me about, well, Glenn, did you come up with this game? And I always laugh to myself. And I say, well, let me tell you a story about a young couple who lived in this really amazing place and everything was really great. And then the serpent came along and convinced her and then him that really there was something wrong with them. They didn't even know the difference between good and evil for crying out loud. You're so dumb. <laughs> There's something fundamentally wrong with you. And because they believe that lie, despite the fact that God kept telling me, precious, you're amazing, I love you totally, they believe the lie that there's something wrong with themselves, and then they want to hide. So they put on fig leaves, right, because mm-hmm. they're hiding. And then when they hear God walking um, in the garden, and Adam runs and hides behind a tree, which I can never read that story without laughing. Like, <laughs> like. God who created the entire known universe with a thought is not going to know that I'm hiding behind this tree. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's all about hiding. So passive is about I want to hide. I don't, I don't want to draw attention to myself. I just don't want to be wrong. And if you watch those little kids play the game of tag, when they're playing the passive role, that's what they're doing. They're basically trying to be invisible. They stay out of sight of the person who's it. They stay away from anybody who might be it. They hide behind the tree so people don't know where they are. I mean, they're literally doing everything possible to not be visible. Because mm-hmm. then nothing can ever be your fault. And that's how a lot of people want to live. They, oh, they, they just don't want it to be their fault. Right, I know. And so sometimes mm. people will say, oh, my, my daughter's dating this really nice guy. And I think, oh, I hope that's not true. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Well, because nice is all about what we don't do. You know, we don't cut in line, we don't burp in church, we don't give sarcastic, we don't say the wrong thing. See, I can be nice and literally do nothing. In fact, that's the whole goal of being nice, is don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Hey, Glenn, we're all thinking about where we want to go out to supper. Where do you want to go? I don't know, I don't care, what do you guys want? I don't have a brain in my head. Don't pay any attention to me, I don't matter. Like, what? <laughs> it's like being invisible. It's about choosing to be not visible. Yeah. That's so interesting. Now, I know we're going to continue to talk about this and how it mm-hmm. applies to all areas of our life, which I'm looking right. forward to. So right. let's take a break, and then okay. we'll get back to the business at hand, which is talking about TAG and how it applies to all areas of our life. Dr. Glenn Pickering is our guest. Uh, if you have a question or a comment, please send it over, 877-933-2484. You can also go to his website, Dr. Glenn Pickering.com. That's Glenn with two N's. G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G.com. Be right back. Okay, here's something exciting. When you sponsor a child with the Ministry One Child, you are linked with a boy or a girl who will know you by name and treasure the thought that you care Most of them will pray for you daily, and if you write them, they'll write you too. The child you sponsor will receive not only educational assistance, but supplemental food, clothing, healthcare services, and opportunities for personal love and encouragement, and most of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The cost is just $39 a month. That's just a little more than a dollar a day. You can't necessarily change the entire world, but what if you can change the world for one person? Sponsor a child now at MyFaithRadio.com.
Dr. Glenn Pickering. So glad to have him uh, with me today on the show. We're talking about TAG, a wonderful book that he's written. You can learn more about that book at his website, drglennpickering.com. But TAG is not only an interesting game that most all of us play at some point, it also can uh, sort of invade all areas of our life, including our faith. And that's what we're going to be discussing the rest of the, uh, the show today. All right, Glenn, let's start talking about how it, 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 it sort of invades all areas of our life. Okay, cool. Um, that's, you know, it, in the Great Commandment, people ask Jesus, what's the Great Commandment? Of course, in Matthew 22, and of course, he talks about loving God with your whole heart, loving one another. Um, and so basically, the whole emphasis is on relationships, and here's how come. Because everything that messes up our relationships will also mess up all the rest of our lives. Here's what I mean by that. So, if we play tag, we'll always hurt our relationships. And whether I play it passively or actively, I will lead people to mistrust in me. Because if I play it passively, people eventually realize, oh, Glenn never tells the truth. Hey, Glenn, do you want to do this? Oh, sure, fine. And now they have to guess. Does that mean yes? Does that mean no? Does that mean I hate the idea, but I'm going along because I'm trying to be nice? Mm -hmm. I mean, they have no idea what it means. And gradually, they will spend less and less time with me because they don't trust me on that level. Or if I play tag actively, when I'm always blaming somebody else, have that critical spirit, always telling somebody else why they did it wrong and how dumb they are, blah, blah, blah. People also don't trust me because they know any mistake they make or anything that looks even vaguely like a mistake is going to get that critical response, which makes me not safe to be around. So whether I play tag passively or actively, people will learn over time to not trust me and they'll start to create more and more distance in our relationships. So clearly the game has a powerful impact on our relationship. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it also has an impact on the rest of our lives. So I'd like to talk just a little bit more about that now as we kind of jump ahead. Because it literally, literally is true that everything that affects our relationships in such a direct way affects literally how we do the whole rest of our life. So, for example, um, Adam um, and Eve, you know, after they ate the apple, God said they were cursed. Now, people get that messed up. God didn't say, I curse you. God said, because you now have this belief that you are not good enough, which is directly opposite to what I tell you, your life is going to be way harder. Everything you do is going to be harder. And he even gives a little list of all the things that are going to be way harder because they've chosen that belief. It's the same with the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son comes to his father and says, I want my money right now. And just like Adam and Eve... Both of them didn't really trust God or other people. They thought, I just have to protect myself, just like you said a second ago, just like what happens in the game of tag. And so the father gives the son, you know, his half of the living. Um, But see, he knows the same thing. Yes, I can do that. You can assume, you can make that wrong assumption that you can't trust me or anybody else. It's just up to you. You got to protect yourself. Do what's right just for you. You can do that. But what I know is your life is now going to get really, really hard which, of course, is exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. Now, the prodigal son figures that out and comes home, of course, but but we need to understand that belief that I have to protect myself literally gets in the way of every part of our faith life. Here's how it comes. We're called to ask for in Matthew 7, James 1, and to live, like in Ephesians 3 and John 10, really big lives, lives of abundance. But see, as long as we're slaves to that fearful game of tag, we're destined to live really small lives. And Jesus knew this, which is why in Matthew 25, he tells a story of the person that got one talent and two talents and five. And the one who got two and five, they, you know, did something with it. 
and only had one that was afraid, just like we're talking about, therefore did nothing. In other words, lived a very small life, took my talent and did nothing. Just like you said a second ago, I, he even hid it. He buried it and hid it, just like you said. We try and hide ourselves. And, um, and mostly people quit quoting the story at that point about how we have to use our talents, et cetera, et cetera. And that's all good. But nobody likes to actually talk about the very end of that story where Jesus said, so take the talent from the one who had one and give it to the one who has ten. For to those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken from them. And for those who have, even more will be given unto them. And you can see why people don't really like preaching on that. It sounds so harsh. But see, Jesus wasn't trying to be harsh. He was trying to warn us. If you live that life, it will not only impact your relationships, you will end up losing out pretty much everything. If I really believe I have to do it myself, God's not going to help me, nobody's going to help me, i got to do it myself, blah, 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 and I, got, I have that belief, then see, it's not just my relationships that are going to go poorly, my whole life's going to go poorly. And I like telling people, because I believe this with my whole heart, you know, lots of people come to me for marriage counseling, etc. And I tell them, at the end, nobody ends up with a C-plus marriage. Because the same thing Jesus was really trying to talk to us about. In any relationship, we're always getting closer and closer, or we're drifting further and further apart. So, after 40 years of being with Gwen, I'm either going to have a relationship that's like, wow, or we're not going to have a relationship because we're just so far apart. One of those two things is going to happen. So, mm-hmm. either what I have, more is going to keep being added to that, or because in my fearfulness, I will lose even what little I have. And Jesus was just trying to help us understand people who settle for small life say, well, this is all I can have, this is all I expect, this is enough. But Jesus was trying to say, no, you can't think like that. You can't be small-minded. You can't let your fear when you're light because you're going to end up with nothing. So he wasn't trying to judge us. He's trying to warn us that life doesn't work. It will end badly for you, and I don't want that. I want you to live a rich, abundant life like he was always talking about. So he's literally trying to warn us. If we let that kind of fear, that tag-driven fear, that I don't want to do it wrong, I don't want to get criticized, I don't want people to dislike me, I don't want to be the one who's wrong, we're going to end up living a really small life, and we're going to end up with none of the things, none of the blessings, none of the gifts that God so badly wants to give to us. Mm. All right, Glenn Pickering, that's a... That's a, a, a great punch you just landed because it's so true. And God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of right. power and love and right. self-discipline. Right. And when you live in that fear zone, I don't know if that's a good thing to call it, but you, you might be living off some past experiences and memories right. yep. that seem to be roadblocks when, right. when you want to try to dream big or have a bigger vision for what God is going to do in your life. Right. And um, and I think, and when we give into that fear, see, here's what really interferes with our spiritual life. When we give into that fear, it sort of goes back to what you're just saying. We start to focus on what we don't want. Mm-hmm. So many of my clients say, "Well, I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to fail. I don't want to admit that I made a mistake. I especially don't want to make a mistake in public. I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to feel stupid." And I think, see, that whole tag thing where I just don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be bad. I don't want people to think badly. I don't want to be criticized. I'm really focused on what I don't want. When I'm living that life that's driven by the fear of being it. See, I'm destined to live a really small, very limited life. Exactly the life God does not have in mind for me. Glenn, what about if someone's default when they talk about their life and things they, they want to do, 
they focus on what they don't want to have happen versus what they want to have happen. Right. And I, honestly, I, it is every human being's default. I'm just convinced of okay. it. More and more. I used to think tag is a weird game people played sometimes, but now I understand this is what we do if we're not consciously choosing to do it differently. Yeah. I mean, so, if, I said, if I said to you, you know, hey, Glenn, I'm looking forward to your, you know, week's vacation in Mexico, mm-hmm. and, and you say, well, I don't want to have airplane trouble. I don't want to, you know, right. sit there and get uh, missing a connection, and I, I don't want to get there and have the weather be bad, and I don't want to get, uh, you know, a stomach indigestion from bad food. And all you tell me about is what you don't want to have happen. Right. And hopefully you're going to say very gently to me, Glenn, I believe you don't want those things. What is it you do want? What are you hoping for? What are you looking for in your prayer mm-hmm. life? When you see that going really well, when you see yourself showing up as your best self, what, do you, what happens? What do you do? How does that look? What would be the joyful places for you? Because there's no, you know, Jesus said we're supposed to have a life of abundance. And see, there's no abundance in focusing on what I don't want. I could, mm-hmm. look, I can, because I, I can achieve all those things I don't want by just staying home. <laughs> in other words, if I can achieve right. everything on my, go- on my goal list by doing nothing, I'm aiming way too low. Mm-hmm. But there's some safety there. They, people might think it's safety, but it's not. It's one of the most dangerous places to be. It is. When you think you're living in safety. Right. Because all you're really doing, this is what Jesus was trying to warn us. I Like, almost like, not trying to be scary, but like, but not holding back either. He's just really saying, if you live that life, you're not going to end up with anything. He's so just intensely trying to help us see that picture so clearly. Don't think you can focus on what you don't want and end up at a good spot. Nobody says, well, I don't want to be hurt in my marriage. I don't want to get judged. I don't want to get blamed. I never want my wife or husband to disagree with me or have a different opinion, so I'll just keep all my thoughts to myself. Okay, well, 40 years of that, where do you end up? You don't even have a marriage. You have two people living in the same building who don't even know each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's hard to hear. Uh, yep, which is part of why nobody wants to finish that story. They all want to talk about, yep, the guy with one talent, he buried it. That's a real bad idea. You shouldn't do that with your talents, which, of course, mm-hmm. is true. It's not that that's wrong. Just nobody wants to talk about the rest of the story, about what actually happens to our life if we choose that approach. Yeah. And, Glenn, what makes me troubled and a little sad is there are people listening right now that go, uh-oh, I think they just talked about me. <laughs> and, if listener, if you're one of those people, I just want to say to you, here's the really cool thing. God understands how you got there. He just doesn't want you to stay there. So I don't want you to judge yourself because there's no condemnation in Christ. I just want you to hear there's a better way to do life. Mm -hmm. And And that God has that in mind for you and that this is your time to start thinking, okay, what is it I do want? Can one person transform or does it take two to transform if you're in a troubled relationship? Well, here's the great thing. I'm only in charge of me, so it kind of doesn't matter. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm... I'm the only one I'm in charge of. So, you know, I can only change the parts that I can change. And um, mm-hmm. that's why Jesus said, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? You don't see the log in your own eye. So yeah. we'll come back to that more in just a minute, I'm thinking. Yeah, let's do that. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can head over to drglennpickering.com. He has uh, free access to some great video series. He also has an invitation to speak to him personally, if you'd like to do that. No strings attached. You can check that out, fill out a form, and you can connect for a moment to talk uh, for 20 minutes. All compliments of Dr. Pickering. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue discussing TAG and how it affects our whole life. Be right back.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. My guest today is Dr. Glenn Pickering, and we're talking about TAG. He's written a book about it, and if you just joined the program, TAG is that old game you used to play on the playground with other kids where you just didn't want to be it because if you got tagged, you had to tag somebody else so you weren't it. And we have a tendency of being that way in our relationships, whether they're personal or professional, we play that game. Uh, not that we necessarily want to be right. We just want to be one of the many that aren't wrong. Mm-hmm. And that might seem a little counterintuitive, but it's not. And we want to be able to break out of this tag game and, and boldly claim our own unique calling. Glenn, how do we do that? Well, here's the really cool thing. Thank you. That's a great question. Um, people always say, you know, we're all unique. We all have our own calling, which is, of course, all true. Um, but nobody wants to talk about how hard it is to actually live that. And here's what I mean. When you're a kid, you know, kids hate being different. If you wore different clothes or had a different haircut or wore a different height or who knows what, you know, you got picked on, right? Because anybody who's different gets picked on. And so the goal is to sort of blend in, just like you were saying before, to hide, to be the same as everybody else. And, you know, I was autistic. I had Coke bottle glasses and I bent over like a question mark. So I know what it is to get picked on by being different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really get that we start out in life really, really almost afraid to be different. But see, we can't claim our unique calling if our goal is to be the same as everybody else because our calling will set us apart in one way or another. And even just claiming that calling before we do anything with it is actually way harder than most people want to acknowledge. And the tag-playing part of us, don't want to be wrong, don't want to be criticized, don't want to be different really can get in the way of just saying, I have a calling that's specific to me. Yes, but um, just claiming that's going to make us different. And so I think this all the time to myself, that I get that kids hate being different, and that's how we start out. We want to be the same as everybody else. That's how we are as children. But we really can't stay childish and think we're going to help to bring about the kingdom. Because the kingdom is about claiming everything about us that's unique, that's different, that's special about us. All right. That, that's helpful for sure. Um, so if we're trying to break out of playing tag mm-hmm. um, and we, we don't like, um, we obviously don't like being picked on. And I, I can see that with some of my friends' kids when they're different and they're standing out as being different. Even right. if you're excellent at being different, right. you're still going to get picked on. Right. Because people don't like different, even if it's excellent. Right. Nobody likes that kid. Right. So we have to do the same for others as much as, you know, claim our unique calling, but also right. uh, in the kingdom, uh, do the same for others and not try to block their big visions and their big dreams. Absolutely. And those two go hand in hand so completely. So I'm going to talk about them a little separately, but you're absolutely right. They're literally just a flip side of the same coin. So we can't be Christians and think we're all supposed to be the same. That's why Paul talks about in you know, um, 1 Corinthians 12 about you know, the, we're all parts of the body of Christ and we're all different parts. We can't all be the eyes or the nose or the feet. We all have our different role to play. And if we live in community and we get that part right, it's great. But as soon as any of us think, oh, I'm supposed to be all those different things, we will literally just make ourselves crazy. 
So I know, for example, because I have a broken back, that if people are you know, going to Guatemala to build brick houses. I'm probably not going on that mission trip. <laughs> but if the pastor asks, asks me to preach, I think, oh, great, I'd be glad to do that. Yeah. Um, so we all have different skills, and we just have to really kind of stay in our lane, but we have to claim that lane pretty darn boldly. And it's important. Sometimes people think, well, I don't want to be arrogant, Glenn. I don't want to sound like I'm better, like I'm self-centered. And I think, see, it's not arrogant to say... I have a calling that's unique to me, and here's how come. Arrogant means I use my unique skills to prove to you that I'm better than you. It's mm. comparative. But see, if I really get it, then the truth is this. I am uniquely gifted to do what I'm called to do, and so is everybody else. What? That's, that's, yeah. I know. That's one of the things that makes us connected to each other. We all have a calling that literally we and only we can do the way we can do it. So it's not arrogant to say, I've been called to do some pretty amazing things because you've also been called to do amazing things. And every listener, I want you to hear this so clearly, you are called to do amazing things. Mm -hmm. That's why it's really important not to settle for being just good enough or to play tag. I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want to make a mistake. So I just sort of stay in the weeds. I think, no, we see we really... We really have to claim in some pretty bold sort of way the things that make us unique and different and special because that's what God's going to use. Even the parts of us that we don't like being special. You know, I'm autistic. Trust me, that didn't feel like a gift when I was younger. (laughs) Um, Just one of the many things that made me stick out and seem different. Yeah. But But, go ahead. Yeah. If if you claim your unique calling and you're a little delusional, then what? Well, if I say, if I say, I'm going to go. Because of my unique calling that I feel I have, I'm uh-huh. going to go and sing and make all kinds of money and bring glory to God's name with my voice. And then you hear me sing and you go, uh-oh, problems. No, that might not be your calling. Yeah. Um, here's the interesting thing. It's very possible that you're not called to be the lead singer of a rock band. But if there is really in your heart that I really love to sing... And that probably is true. Then you want to make sure you go to a church where they do a lot of singing. And where people <laughs> don't just sit on their hands while the choir is singing. But actually are loud, praying, and singing. <laughs> so you can feel like, this is so right. Right. So even if you're not supposed to be a star, the fact that you love singing is probably still true for you. And you're going to want to find a place that really encourages that. Yeah. Maybe I'm just stuck on the boldly claim our unique calling because okay. I think that's where it gets a little bit tr- tricky because I've oh, heard yeah. many, many people say this is what I, I'm I'm gifted to do. And then I realized that I think, okay, you're maybe not as gifted as you think. Well, and I'm right. not being mean. No, I'm no, just being trying Paul, to it, Paul, at the end of Philippians and the end of Thessalonians, I often get the two parts of the endings mixed up. But he says, don't distress the spirit, don't despise despise prophecy, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. And I think, right, so if I actually am gifted, I shouldn't run away from it, be scared of it, blow it off. But I should test it out. Because if I really am called to do that, when I ask them, I think maybe I'm a teacher, so I just ask to teach a few small things to start with at church, and I love doing it, and it goes great, and I get good feedback, so I go, okay, cool, maybe I'm called to be a teacher. But if, but if it really doesn't go well and I can really feel the whole time like, yeah, I don't really feel like I belong here, <laughs> then, see, we need to listen to the Spirit, can't distrust prophecy, but we do need to test everything. And if we really are called to do that, then when we start practicing that in some small way, we're going to either notice, wow, this is amazing, or we're going to notice, yeah, I don't think this is it. Mm-hmm. But we have to be willing to test everything. We can't just go off on our own ego. If it really is a God thing, 
then it will show up. And we can't be afraid to put that to the test. So, Glenn, I think we have to say loud and clear, we must never stop learning. Even if I say my bold calling is to... Uh, sing, um, I, I never want to stop learning. I never want to Absolutely. stop taking singing lessons and being right. in that choir at church where I can sing as loud as I want to and yep. and look for an opportunity maybe to uh, sing somewhere else. I'm, I don't know why I'm using that as, as no, an example. It's a, perfect, it's a perfect example because you can't. So then people know you're not being arrogant. You're just talking hypothetically. It's good. Yeah, exactly. Um, that I think, well, we can talk about this more at the, right after the break, but I think it's important to understand about the learning part that um, that whether we're really good at something or not, we're supposed to keep learning. And over and over again, Paul says that his favorite people, hey, I know you love one another, do that more. I know you're really praising the Lord, do that more. You're doing amazing things, do that more. Like, don't just stay where you are. Just understand it's an ongoing process, and you're supposed to keep learning along the way, which is part of why. Even if people aren't quite right about what they think their calling is, I just know this. If they keep learning and growing, they keep trying stuff, they keep talking to people, they keep praying, they keep listening, they will get a clearer and clearer idea about what that gift looks like and where they're supposed to use it and perhaps where they're not. And Mm -hmm. the whole transformation process is just so continuous. I think we just need to get our arms around. I'm not being called to be a finished product. I'm being called to learn how to be better and better at the things I believe God has called me to do. Mm-hmm. And Glenn, we are not our mistakes, are we? Oh my goodness sakes. I think people get so afraid, like, I don't want to do it wrong. This is all part of the tag thing. Don't want to make do it wrong. Don't want to make a mistake. Like somehow that would just prove that it was no good. I think, no, we've already been justified. God already said, we're so precious. So that's not on the table. I have a little grandson who's just learning how to walk. And, you know, he takes a bunch of steps and he falls down. And I think... See, he's not his mistakes. He's still precious. He's still amazing. He's still so important. He's still a miracle, and he falls down a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to remember that's true. <laughs> and I think we encourage people all the time to make mistakes because that's how you learn and that's how you grow. Right, for sure. And most people say that, <laughs> but they don't want to learn it. I mean, they don't want to live it because I just think I— just the other day, I had to be learning how to make a certain kind of podcast, and I literally made every possible rookie mistake in the process of doing that. Mm-hmm. But every one of those taught me something. I learned something from every one of those mistakes, and by the end, we put together a podcast that went really, really well, I think, according to my little marketing team, but it didn't happen because I nailed it out of the shoot, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I had a performer friend of mine say when I was first getting into the business, he said, do it for seven years and then see if you're any good. And I thought, I kind of need to know by the end of this week if I'm any good. I can't, I can't sit around for seven years with all kinds of failures behind me. And you know, he was absolutely right. You know, anything you have to do for a long time to see right. what your voice is and, and, and right. what kind of performer you're going to be. Right, and you'll get a clear and clear picture of what exactly. works for you and what doesn't, and that's great. And then never stop learning, right? Right. Yeah. So I think what I want to spend some time with is talking about uh, the tag uh, lane and then the opposite of that. Great. Now, okay. I, I, I think we can cover that in the next uh, 15 minutes. But okay, great. What I'll do right now is go to break and then come back. We can start fresh. Okay. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can learn more about Glenn at Dr. Glenn Pickering. Dot com, P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G, Dr. Glenn Pickering.com. 
He's got lots of books and uh, free videos, and also he has this very engaging offer where he will speak to you personally for 20 minutes on the phone. And I think he, you, know, you all have to do is fill out a form, and you guys can create a time to talk, and you can learn a lot in 20 minutes. Trust me. We'll be right back with lots more in just a minute. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. playing the jazz violin after six months because we wouldn't be listening to that beautiful music if he did. My guest is Dr. Glenn Pickering. We're talking about tag today, which is a game that you probably all played at one point on the, on the uh, grade school playground where you didn't want to be it. And if you were it, you had to tag somebody else so you were no longer it. And we conduct ourselves that way in a lot of our personal and professional relationships, even though we don't think we're doing it, we're doing it according to Dr. Glenn Pickering. So Glenn, let's talk about uh, what it's like when we're caught up in, in tag thinking and how we can change our thinking and, and do it differently. Great, thanks. That would be a good way to sort of summarize all the things we talked about today. So thank you. That's, a, that's great. Um, so I'm going to sort of start with tag. So, and I have it sort of in two columns, which, you know, you're going to have it on the podcast that people can send for this free. So that's really great. So listeners just know this could come right to you if you want it. Um, in the game of tag... I start with the assumption, and this is the belief that's literally so messed up Adam and Eve that literally brought all of that sort of mm, difficulty to their life. They believe the serpent that they're not good enough. Not that they make mistakes, that they weren't good enough, that there's something fundamentally wrong with them, which then leads them to focus on everything that's wrong in their lives and everybody else's. And so if I believe that, if I really think, say, I'm not good enough, then my mistakes, quote-unquote, prove, see, that I'm not good enough. My mistakes aren't just mistakes or simple things I learned from a who-knows-what, like a little kid falling down, so what? No, my mistakes just prove, see, this thing I already believe, that I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And since I believe that that's what my mistakes prove about me, I think, therefore, I see, I have to really hide it when I make a mistake because I don't want anybody else to know the truth about me, which is that I'm not good enough. It's just um, reinforcing it. Yes, which just reinforces it because yeah. I, I never get let, nobody can ever tell me, hey, Glenn, that's no big deal. That's fine because I'm pretending I didn't make a mistake. So I never find out that people could love me anyway um, because I don't give them that chance. So I think I have to hide my mistakes. Now, the best way to do that, of course, is just like we saw in Adam and Eve. So I, the best way to hide my mistakes is to be isolated. So mm-hmm. I cover myself so nobody notices me, I try and stay invisible. And then when somebody does start to pay attention to me, I hide and do all kinds of things as if I'm not there. And so it's like nobody can reject me if they don't know the real me, and I believe the real me is no good. And here's a really tricky part. The word sin literally translated means separate. So see, if I really think that my goal, because I don't want people to see my mistakes, is to hide those so I stay isolated, so I made a life where I'm now separate, I'm literally living a life of sin. Not sin like so many people talk about it, like there's something wrong with my behavior. Like I'm literally separated from God and from other people. 
So then in my isolation, if I do make a mistake and somebody notices it, then I blame somebody else because my whole goal is to not be it. Mm-hmm. And when I'm talking to other people, I'm not looking for what they do right. I'm looking for what they do wrong because if I see something they do wrong um, and I point it out to them and everybody who's listening, see, that just proves that they're it, not me. And that's the whole goal. I would throw anybody under the bus, anybody, because if anybody else is not it, then I'm not. I mean, if anybody else is it, then I'm not. And, right. Um, that's the goal. I know. It's a wicked game. And it's yeah. so, it literally sets me up to be hurtful to other people. Um, and because of all that, and I keep isolated and I don't connect to other people, so I can't have any vision for my life because vision is always about how I impact the world around me. So I don't have a vision for my life. Well, I don't know. I just kind of take it day by day, you know. So then I won't look foolish to other people. Nobody can criticize my vision or tell me that that's stupid. I shouldn't do it like that. And my way is never going to work. So I don't have a vision. I just try to maintain my little outwardly sort of worldly image so I just look good to others. I don't, I'm not actually trying to live a life where I actually am good or doing good things. I'm just trying to live a life where I look good. And anybody who spent time doing that knows that those are not the same thing. And so and the, the only vision I do have for my life is all about me. In my isolation, I try to get all my individual needs met, of course, by myself, which, of course, doesn't work, as the prodigal son found out. Hey, I'm just going to live the life I want. That'll be really great, separate, and just looking out for myself. And it just never works. It always ends badly, which is what mm-hmm. Jesus was trying to warn us about, too. And so in the end, then, my goal is that I get hurt. And so a good day is a day when nothing bad happens to me. So if life is a scale of minus 10 to plus 10 and how happy I am that day, my goal is a zero. I'm just trying to get to a place where I'm not hurt. I'm not, nobody criticized me. Nobody was mean to me. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't make any mistakes. So on the happiness scale, I get all the way up to zero. I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So Glenn, you're, yeah. you've spent all of your emotional capital. In yes. the, well, you started in the negative department, and you spent all of your emotional capital getting to zero. Yes. All right. That okay. Which is unhappy and exhausting. Yep. Now on the other side, let's say I live by my faith instead of by those fearful tag rules. I don't start off thinking I'm not good enough. I start off thinking I'm a precious child of the God of our entire universe. I'm very good, God says. And I focus on my 90% and yours, so I don't have to point out your mistakes to prove that I'm better than you. I already know I'm amazing. I focus on my, my 90% and I'm grateful and I'm loving to other people. And because I just know I'm a precious child already, just like my little grandson, he knows he's great. So if I fall down, I just realize, oh, my mistakes don't prove I'm not good enough. My mistakes just teach me valuable lessons. Mm-hmm. See, I'm precious despite my mistakes. And so I expect to be treated with love, and I don't judge other people because I realize I'm not here to judge your mistakes for one thing. It's not my place. And besides which, we're not supposed to judge our mistakes. We're just supposed to learn something from them. Mm-hmm. So I embrace my mistakes. And that's why we're called to be transparent and accountable to other people. And, um, and that's how we grow in our faith because we just out there. We acknowledge them. I was working with my little marketing team about all the mistakes I made in the podcast. I just listed all the things I did wrong. They laughed like crazy and they said, yeah, but Glenn, the final part, I came out okay, so that's good. But but I, I just think we just need to acknowledge, yeah, there was a lot of stumbling to get to there. And that's just, that's important because, see, if we don't teach our kids that, hey, I stumbled and bumbled and made a bunch of mistakes, but in the end, we kind of came out okay. Then as soon as a kid makes a mistake, they think there's something wrong. It's like, no, 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 mistakes are how we learn stuff. So because I embrace my mistakes, I'm accountable, I'm transparent, I don't worry about that. I can live in joyful community with other people instead of keeping myself isolated. And that allows people to know the actual me. I talk to people a lot these days about the difference between love and approval. 
If I want people's approval, then they can't love me because if I'm seeking approval, I want to look good on the outside so people pat me in the back for my fake self. But see, if I want to be loved, I have to let people see the real me, the real self. Otherwise, when they say, Glenn, I really like you, I think, yeah, sure. You don't really like me. You just like the fake me I put out there. But So it doesn't make me feel any better or cared for. Mm-hmm. So I live in joyful community. When I'm wrong, I don't seek to blame somebody else like in a tag game. I seek to reconcile. Like Matthew 18 just talks about, you know, if your brother sinned against you, here's what you do. And if you do this right, you've gained a brother. He doesn't say if you're, and if you do this right, you'll be right and you can lord it over them. It's like, no, no, no. You will have gained your brother or your sister back. That's the whole goal is to be back in reconciled relationship. So then I don't watch for other people's mistakes. I look for reasons to lift people up, which over and over again, Paul talks about how important it is to lift one another up to be each other's cheerleader, because then they can do God's work along with me. And instead of not having a vision for my life, I actively pursue my vision, because then my life helps to usher in the kingdom. And how great is that? It's Mm -hmm. amazing. I feel like I'm this part of this really cool movement that's all moving God's world in a certain direction, and I get to be part of that. So instead of a visionless life that's all about me, my vision is all about us. Because I just think, see, when Christians come to me and say, Glenn, how do I know what my calling is? I always think to myself, I only need to know two things. What are my gifts and who am I supposed to give them to? See, I don't have a calling that's not about other people because all our callings are relational. They're about making a difference in the lives of the people around us. And so I actively pursue my vision instead of not having one. And my vision is not just about me, it's about us and about how I can use my gifts to have an impact on the world around me in a way that brings about the um, kingdom. And when Paul said it's more blessed to give than receive, see, he wasn't kidding. See, and most people misunderstand that. They think blessed means like morally better. But see, blessed just means you get more gifts. And it's right, if I just sit there in the corner and wait for people to give me stuff, nothing really happens. But if I focus on giving, I get blessed in return in so many ways you can't even count them all. So my vision is not just about me. It's all about us. And my goal is not to get to zero on a good day. My goal is when miraculously good things happen. And my goal is to hit positive 10 every day I possibly can. Mm-hmm. I want a really great, happy life where I make a difference and I can I'm, take joy in the fact that my life is making a difference. So you can see that if I play tag, I'm I limit myself to a certain kind of life. Very small, isolated, afraid of making a mistake, blame other people. So I push everybody out of my life eventually. My only vision for my life is what I can bring to myself and my biggest goal is to not get hurt. Well, see, if I really live up my faith, I get I'm precious. I've already been justified. If I make mistakes, of course, that te- that's how we learn things. It's no big deal. I embrace those mistakes. I tell everybody all about them. Um, and that way I can live in joyful community with everybody else who's also precious and falls down a lot. Mm-hmm. If I am do something wrong or hurt somebody else's feelings, I don't blame somebody else. I see the reconciling relationship. And I look for reasons to lift people up so they can do good work. And I actively produce, pursue my own vision, bringing the kingdom. And that vision isn't just about me, it's about all of us, because that's way more fun. And my goal is to not just get to zero. My goal is to have a really joyful day. And it's possible for every single one of us if we just live out our faith the way God really has in mind for us. So when we are living this vision and living our <clears throat> our our life with meaning and purpose mm-hmm. and we're willing to admit our mistakes and embrace them and trying to just live in joyful community right and when you're wrong seek to reconcile look for reasons to lift people up um you're going to have a, a big impact aren't you? you're going to have a big impact and you'll be happy i mean there's nothing mm-hmm. that makes us as happy like you talk to any teacher and say what what makes you teacher what why do you teach what what is in a for you. And they say basically the same thing. 
Because sometimes I say something and I can see somebody in the room, their eyes light up, it hit them, they got it, they smiled. I said something that changed the way they think and the way they're going to live their life. And I made a difference. That's why I teach. And I think, wait, that's why we do anything for the kingdom. Because we want to make that kind of powerful difference in somebody's life. Same mm-hmm. reason why I'm, I sing all the time, professionally, all over where I go, because I want to make a difference in people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I look over this list, Glenn. This is available on, in the notes in the podcast. If right. you go to radio.com to the Afternoon with Bill show. When I look at this and I see the mistakes part of this message, right. mistakes teach me big lessons. I embrace my mistakes. I think this is a, a hot button among all of these because right. I don't think we process mistakes that well, and I right. think we, we live with them, and we end up getting haunted by them at times. Right, exactly. And In part because we're so busy pretending we didn't do them. Okay. See, I can't recover from something I'm pretending, pretending I didn't do. Okay. Say more about that. We well, have a minute left. Okay, cool. I just think every bit of healing is to find out I can make a mistake and still be loved and cared for by the people in my life and by our God. When we say I, I accepted Christ, what we mean is I finally figured out I can come to God with all my actual will self and that God still adores me. Mm-hmm. Right. My mistakes don't define me. Right. They're just things that happen along the way that I'm supposed to learn from, period. Okay. Very helpful. I, I love uh, your book on TAG which you can learn more about at drglennpickering.com. And also uh, the show notes from today are available in the podcast um, at myfaithradio.com. I know I'm asking you to remember a lot, but uh, Hmm. you can do it, drglennpickering.com. And then the show notes are at myfaithradio.com and the Afternoon with Bill show page. That's all the time we have for today. Glenn, th- Glenn thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love being yeah, here. You bet. And that wraps up our show. And a special thanks to Patrick, my confidant and friend, and the Monday Afternoon Mix, Pastor David and Rosie B. Have a great night, everyone. I can't wait to be with you tomorrow. Good night. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.